Yeah, if you followed the, the lyrics from the song, what Josh was singing about so beautifully, it was a guy, Mr. Jones, who kind of got fired or let go at work, and no one knew his name, no one knew what he was doing. Um, it's actually kind of like a sad song. It's interesting, though, because I believe as he's singing that song, there's some statistics I'm going to share with you that most people in their life don't actually like the job they're working at. And I want to be clear as we're, we're starting a new series today called Work Life, and it doesn't just apply to, you know, your nine-to-five job because some of you, you know, you might be in a different area. It's really any area where you're putting your energy and your time towards. That's work. It could be raising a family or being a mother or a dad or your nine-to-five or going to school. But I really believe and I'm excited to talk today and as we jump into this series just this week and next week of really getting God's perspective on work and could there be a deeper purpose to it? If you look at recent polls in 2007, the Gallup poll, it says they found 85% of the world's 1 billion full-time workers hate their job. 62% of these workers described as not engaged, meaning they were checked out or sleepwalked through their days, putting very little energy into their work. 23% were found to be actively disengaged which meant they hated their jobs and would show it by acting out and undermining their coworkers. Some of you might be like, I know that 23%. <laughs> and so that means only 15% of workers in the world are engaged. Only 15% feel a sense of passion for their work and will drive innovation and attempt to move their organization forward. You know, there's, a, there's an expression, T-G-I-F, thank God it's Friday. And I think for a lot of us, obviously we love the weekend, some college football this weekend. Hey. And uh, I, I spent all day watching yesterday. I'll say a prayer for Michigan in a bit, but uh, I'm serious. And, uh, you know, it's funny, we always work for the weekend or whether you're working for retirement or working to put you know, food on the table, which are all great things, but is it possible that God has a deeper purpose and a deeper kind of meaning for work? And that's really in the next two weeks, we're going to check that out starting today, and I'm excited to get into that. And so I'm just going to ask God to move and to speak today, um, wherever you're at today, if it's your first time, if it's your hundredth time, man, we're excited you're here and hope God speaks. So if you would, let's pray. God, I, I just thank you uh, for each and every person in this room, God, that Man, you see everyone that's walked in the door. You see everyone in every moment, God, even that's not in this door, God. But you have something for each and every one of us here today, God. Give us ears to hear and, and, and hearts to receive, God, and ears to just see what you're doing, eyes to see, God. We pray that you would move, Holy Spirit. Um, pray that you give me energy at the 1215 service right now, God. I need some fresh energy, Jesus. Move in this room. And let us see you today, God, like we've never seen you before. And we pray for the University of Michigan's football team, that you give them some resurrection life this week. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> amen. Amen to that. We have some, what was that? Oh, yeah, Chris is a Notre Dame fan. I'm just going to put you on the spot right now. Come on. We actually have a guy in the back. Uh, I didn't catch his name, actually. He's, he's making pancakes, waffles for us, really kind of nice. He was at the Notre Dame game last night. He drove here and came right to church. I think he has a little Notre Dame shirt on, so it's, it's suspect. It's questionable. But it's really, it's really nice that he's serving and he's, he's helping out. I watched, I watched a little bit of football the other day. Um, it was pretty fun. I think, like, every team in Michigan lost, too. I don't want to get into this, but 
might need to start rooting for like Alabama or something if you're a football person. We need some winners around here. State one. I'll, I will give you guys that. Yeah, right. All right, we're going to get into the talk, all right? I need to stop talking about football, okay? And so the first thing I want to uh, kind of talk about, it's interesting, like would it be possible, right? What if we said T-G-I-M? Thank God it's Monday. Have you ever heard anyone say that? Got a case of the Mondays. I know some of you guys are going back to school. Probably got a case of the Mondays. But it's interesting. What if, what if God, when he designed work, what if there's something that if you find your purpose, right, some, some kind of fresh passion would start to be realized? Because I think what's interesting, and I'm going to make three points, and we're going to start in the book of Genesis, and we'll even touch there next week as you come back. But really, like, what was God's purpose for work? And I think the first thing I want to say is this, is that our work, whatever you're putting your energy or time for, whether it's raising a family, it's your nine to five, it's something you do at school, whatever you're being creative in, right? You're putting your time and energy, and that's what we'll define as work, is work is leaving your fingerprint on the world. That I believe when God designed work, first of all, it's not something like, that's random. He actually made us to work. I remember last summer I got back from ministry school and I had to wait like three months to, to, to get a job and start doing things again. And I was like, oh man, this is going to be awesome, right? Like don't have to work this, this summer. Believe me, after like three days, it's not, it's not like you're in high school. I was like, this is terrible. You get so bored. There's something about work that actually God gave us work right? He put unique ability in each and every one of us, unique dreams within us. And actually through our work, we actually put our stamp, our fingerprint on the world, how we, how we do our daily job or raise our family or interact with the people around us. I believe God gave us work to actually make a fingerprint on this world. It's interesting. Um, I'm actually just going to read the scripture. I'll get into this. But in Genesis 1, 1, it's the, it's the beginning of the scriptures. This is the first book. It starts like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So if you understand, there's just nothing in sight. The spirit of God is stirring. I wanna make a side note. I, I felt like I was praying this week and I love this scripture because where the spirit is and where the spirit's stirring, something like creation is about to happen. Something fresh is gonna be birthed. And I really believe, I wanna speak that out even at this campus. I believe God is doing something here. His spirit is hovering, his spirit is moving. There is momentum and I think even this fall and this year, things are going to happen at the Orient campus that have not happened before. With people coming in the doors, I feel like there's momentum. And as I was praying about this this week, I felt like the Lord said, encourage everyone to just say, all hands on deck, right? To lean in like never before. That when you know the season you're in, it's like, man, I don't want to miss it. Let's be a part of what God's doing. Let's lean in. The, the word that really came to my mind was carpe diem. Dead Poet Society, carpe that we would seize the moment, right? Even in this greeting, as there's things coming up, you'd be praying and saying, God, what do you want me to be a part of? How can I leverage my time, my talents, my resources into pouring into the work you're doing on this earth, that the spirit of God is here and God is doing something fresh and that each of us would say, all hands on deck. Let's be a part of what God is doing. The spirit is hovering, right? And we go down in the verse, it says this in verse three, and God said, the spirit's hovering. He says, let there be light. And there was light. It says God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. It's interesting. Do you understand? God is creating here. What does that mean? He is working. He is doing something. 
That in, there's some creation stories in different religions and even Greek mythology that actually when creation came to be, it wasn't like the gods were working it together. There was already this utopia that they were actually in rest. It's interesting as you look at the God that we serve and we believe in, he's a God who creates. He's the God of creativity. He authors things. He works and he's doing things. And it goes on to say what I believe that we were made in his image and we were made to do the same thing. It says this in verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image some of you, I, I do want to point out, I didn't at the other service, the us, let us, God, he's not crazy, he's a triune God. So it wasn't just, it says Jesus was at, there at the foundations of the earth when God created. So when he says us, he's talking Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he's talking about a triune God. And so he says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea. He has work, he has ideas, and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. It says this, so God created mankind in his own image. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. It's interesting, uh, some of you guys know my, my wife Jenna, she's pregnant right now. We have a little, little boy on the way. Uh, December 11th. There will be a child born to us on Christmas. A boy. I'm just kidding. And it's interesting thinking about that. I'm sure some of you, I, I, you know, I walk around, obviously your parents, you have kids. Some of you probably someday will do that. It's interesting to me because you know what you think about, especially as my, my wife's getting more and more pregnant. So you think about it more and the little guy's kicking and stuff. And so it's, it's really exciting and really fun. It's interesting to think about there's DNA from us that will be in him that he will carry parts of us within him through DNA. And also, I, you know, you look at kids and you're like, man, I can see in your kid, I can see you. It's like they carry your image. It's like there's a fingerprint on them, right? And so I think in the same way, when God says we were made in his image, there's, there's things within us that reveal the nature of God. That when you look at mankind, you look at the way, think about this, when you laugh, laughter is because God laughs and we were made in his image, Right when we work, we're doing something in his image. It's like a part of who we are. Have you ever thought about this? God sings. It says in the scripture, God sings. So when we sing, we're actually carrying the nature of God to the world, right? That the things we do, how we long for justice, there's innate things in us. Why? Because we were made in the image of God. And I believe one of those things is work. Right? It's, it, and it says this, he says, God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. He's giving them something to do. That there is actually a purpose in your work. And this is what I would say as I was thinking about this. Your work is your fingerprint. But you guys know your fingerprint is unique. No one else in the world actually carries the same unique fingerprint that you carry. They can identify people by your fingerprint. And in the same way, we are God's fingerprint. We are his workmanship. It says in Ephesians 2.10, we are his masterpiece. The Greek word is poema, which means we are his poem. Like we are a work of art of God that he designed us with a purpose. And in the same way, as you look at nature, right, and creation, it reveals the nature of God. As you look at humankind and the things that are in us, the good stuff, it reveals who God is. Right, it carries his fingerprint. It's kind of like any artist. If I went to someone's painting, I would know who the painter is and what the painter was like by looking at his painting. If I hear a song I really love, I usually ask, who wrote this? Right, who's the band that played this? That actually, the art reveals the artist. And in the same way, I believe that our work 
reveals the nature of who we are. It's interesting when you look at the scripture, I remember reading this, like reading it from a work perspective and a creative perspective. It's almost like whatever you do in your day to day, you probably, whether it's accounting, right, or art or creativity or the people you work with or the family you raise or the schoolwork you do, there is a time where you're in like the grind mode. You know what I mean? Like you're just getting through it. And I believe that this is what happening in this verse. God's like, okay, I'm gonna create the male and female and he speaks and something happens and he's creating. But there's this this process, I believe, whenever you're in creation, you take a step back, right? And then you evaluate what you just made. Like at the end of your day, man, what I accomplished today? What did I put my time forth today? What did I get on that paper? And then I love what it says because it says the Lord created and he took a step back and he said, this is good, right? He said, this is good. The fingerprint that I laid down, this is good. With humankind, he goes on specifically to say, this is very good. And in the same way, I believe when we work Right, Our work reveals the nature of the person who is working. It carries our fingerprint. And I would say to that today, the what you're doing, the work, right? it should point to the why. That when you look at your work and you step back and you go, man, what does my life look like? Would you categorize and say, this is good? What is the fingerprint your work says about who you are? Is it excellent? You look at your family and you take a step back, is this good? Is it very good? The thing that you're creating, you're working towards, right? Is it good? What does the fingerprint you're laying down through your work say about who you are? Because your work is revealing your fingerprint. What's the fingerprint you are leaving? It's interesting. You, some of you guys, even when we sang that song, it says, you know, I've been here 25 years. No one knows my name. I remember hearing that song, I'm like, dude, if you work somewhere 25 years and no one knows your name, that's more on you than it is on them, right? Like, I hope wherever you're at, if you leave your fingerprint is so from the Lord, it's like, oh my gosh, man, they're leaving, like, they brought so much joy, they brought so much light, they encouraged us, they brought solutions that when people see your fingerprint, they should actually ask, why do they work the way that they work, right? And this is, this is the question I would ask is, would your boss want to go to church here based on the way you work? That there's something about the what and you, and like you do something that's your what, right? And your what reveals your why, right? So you're doing something, your boss is like, man, what they're doing is so amazing. Why? Why do they work the way that they work? That it actually reflects the one that you serve. Would people want to follow Jesus that work with you based on your fingerprint in your life, in your workplace or wherever you're at? Because what I would say is your example oftentimes will open up and make room for an explanation, right? Your example will open up and make room for an explanation. And so I would say to this, if you're always late and you're gossiping and you have a bad attitude and then you invite someone to church or share Jesus with them, what you say is probably not going to be very credible because you're, you're carrying a bad fingerprint. But when you work with excellence, with all your heart unto the Lord, as we'll read here in a second, I believe people want to know why, that you carry purpose in what you do, that as you take a step back, you actually say, man, this is very good. And this is why we work. Why do we work with excellence as followers of Jesus? Because our work, it's worship. What is worship? It's ascribing worth to God, that actually by my life and what I'm living, obviously the songs we sing, but more than just the songs we sing, right? I ascribe work to God by the life that I live, by living a life in surrender and obedience to him. This is your spiritual act of worship, right? As Paul says in Romans 12, that you would lay down your life 
And as people see that, they're like, man, this guy works in a way, this woman works in a way that's not normal. I said, uh, I said up there, doing work, because as I played football, we always talk about doing work. Does anyone know about doing work? A little, I mean, I guess, I guess not. <laughs> but, but the hashtag, FTK, I've talked about it before. What does FTT, FTK mean? It means for the king. Why are we doing work? Why am I working with all my heart? Why am I doing work? I made them take off the G when they put it up there because it was doing. Why are we doing work? It's for the king. When you become a follower of Jesus in his kingdom, you have a new boss. You have a new CEO. You have a new friend and companion, right? You have a new father that people would look at the way we work and know you serve someone differently than me. Right? I would say this, we aren't just designed to work, we are designed to work for God. That you will find purpose in your job, not in a new position, but in a new perspective saying, man, I'm here to serve Jesus in what I do and the way I interact with people and the way I love people. I was talking to someone just last service who, who works with, with someone and they said, man, they invited them to church, that their job actually opened up a relationship and that woman was here today. Hopefully she liked it. Well, I, I, I don't know. And this is what it says in Colossians 3, 22 and 23, the Passion Translation. This is what, this is what Paul writes to the church in, uh, in, in Colossians. He says, let every employee listen well and follow the instructions of their employer, not just when their employers are watching and not in pretense, but faithful in all things. For we are to live our lives with pure hearts in the constant awe and wonder of our Lord God. Goes on in verse 23. Some of you guys have heard Colossians 3.23 before. It says, put your heart and soul into every activity to you. In all your work, when you're creative, put your heart and soul, all that you are and everything you do. Why? So that's your what. Why? Because you do it as though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. For the king, FTK, hashtag, FTK, doing work. And so you know what's beautiful about that? You have bad coworkers, you have a boss. You're not there to serve them. You're not even there to serve yourself. You're there to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he becomes the reason that you work, he starts to inform your decisions. If you work for money, money will inform your decisions. If you work for significance and value and love, then significance, value, and love will inform your decisions. And you'll probably be at work way more than you're at home because that's where you feel loved at. But when you work to the Lord, he starts to inform your decisions. And what that means is you don't work for man so man no longer controls you. It doesn't mean you're rebellious. You do what your employer tells you to do because you respect, but you work in a different way. And so it's interesting. I would just say this even as a side note for leadership. Whatever you're fearful of will ultimately control and dictate your life. If you're fearful of what people think about you, you will walk into a room and become who they want you to be instead of who God made you to be because you want their approval. And so when you fear what people think about you, you will be a Christian chameleon, which means you blend in everywhere you go. Hypocrisy is not the issue. Identity is the issue. And when you don't know your identity, you'll be a hypocrite because you want to fit in everywhere you go. And so what happens is if you fear people that God has entrusted you to lead, you will start to be led by them instead of leading them because you fear their opinion. Something starts to happen when you work for the Lord. He informs your decisions. You do what he says. And sometimes that might be confrontational to people, but ultimately you are serving him. 
and share this in the other service. I had a friend, and I'm not saying to do this. He worked for the Miami Dolphins for a long time. He did sales. He would share Jesus with everyone. He got called into his boss's office, and they told him to stop talking about Jesus. And he told the guy, I'm not going to stop talking about Jesus, so you can fire me, but I'm not obedient to you. I'm obedient to him. Don't say that, okay? My buddy's pretty, pretty bold. And he was so good at his job, he actually got promoted because he worked in such a diligent way. But he worked unto the Lord. He wasn't getting his information or being informed by his boss. His boss was Jesus. And he lived his life to love people, right? And to expand the kingdom of God. And I would say this, it's awesome because then you don't need a new position. You just need a new perspective, right? You go to, you go to work, not tomorrow. Happy Labor Day. Thank God it's Tuesday. Um, but you go to work with a different perspective, Remember hearing a story, there's a, there's a very popular pastor in Atlanta, his name's Andy Stanley, and he had some guys working on his house, and he, this guy that was working on his house later shared with him this story, he said they were there, I've shared this before here, I think my dad maybe shared it, but it just sticks with you. He, he was sharing this story with this guy, they said they were working on the house, they're behind on what they're doing, it's been a bad day, they're kind of discouraged, they're taking a lunch break, and while they're taking a lunch break, there's porta johns on the, the premise, you know, because the workers need to go there, and this guy pulls up in a pickup truck, just music blaring, and he gets out of the truck, and he has a bunch of cleaning supplies. He goes into the Porta John, and they realize this is the Porta John cleaner guy. That's his job, right? And so he said he's cleaning up the Porta John, and they said, well, he's doing it. It's like moving in there. Like he's working really hard, right? And, and they say they start to even notice a smell. Starts, it smells good from the Porta John. I'd like to know where that is because I've never seen that before. And uh, so it smells really good. And so the guy gets out, and they're like, man, this dude, what did he do? And so they're jokingly, I think they were like, dude, what happened? What did you do in there? It smells great or something. They said the guy came to him and he says, I don't know who your Porta John worker was before, but no one's going to clean it better than I can. And they're like, whoa. And, he, and then he goes on to say, because I work for Jesus, that's why. <laughs> Said he gets, in his, he gets in his car and drives away and they realize it was Christian music blaring the whole time. But I'll tell you what, my man's doing work for the king in the Porta Johns. You think you have a bad job? You're not cleaning the Porta Johns. <laughs> And so, and so it's funny, I, I, I heard them say this, and they're like, you know what, I don't think that guy grew up saying, man, I can't, I just want to be a porta john cleaner. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that wasn't, that wasn't what he wanted to do, but it wasn't about his pers- position, it was about his perspective. And he knew that he wasn't just designed to work, he was designed to work for the Lord. And as he was cleaning that porta john you know what he was doing? He was putting his fingerprint on all the porta johns This is the way I work. And why do I do that? Because I serve the Lord. Put your heart and soul into every activity you do. Why? Because you're working for the Lord and not for man. I love what it even says earlier, right? It says, like, whether, you're, whether people see you or not, because you work with an integrity that is not as the world works for integrity. Why? Because you work for the Lord. You work with an excellence and a passion and a purpose that is not as the world works. Why? Because you work for the Lord. Your work is worship. It's your fingerprint. And I was even challenged writing this thinking, even, even with my job here, would I be able to step back and say it's good? How am I treating the people around me? Am I actually seeing the people? Right? Am I actually loving people in a way? What is the fingerprint my life is leaving on my family and on my, my workplace? What does it say about the nature of who I am? 
And the last point is this, and I, I think this is beautiful because I think it's one of the original purposes of work. I believe work isn't just to transform our lives, it's actually to transform the world around us. That when God gave us work, especially as his followers, that it's supposed to increase, as he even said to Adam and Eve, like, subdue the earth, go out, expand, that God actually wants us to transform the world for good, for him, in our societies, in our societies, that as followers of Jesus, we should carry a perspective of solutions and love that is different than as the world carries. And I would say this, when you have been transformed, you become a transformer. Not the movie kind or the comic book, but when you have been transformed by God, you will become a transformer for God. When you have been transformed, you become a transformer. And I would say this, to the extent God has transformed you inwardly, you will externally transform the world around you. If you want to change the world around you, don't look at the world around you. Look at the world within you because you will recreate around you what's within you. You want to lead someone? Let the Lord lead you internally. Let his love fill you in such a way it starts pouring out everywhere you go. Because I really believe you will not lead people farther than you've been with the Lord. And you will not love people more than you've been loved by the Lord. And so transformation should actually start at this place. But man, even the video we're going to watch later on and even being here, I love being here on Sundays and I love interacting with people because what I hear so often is transformation. It's the God who brings light into the darkness, who brings creativity where it just feels like the mundane, right? The God who transforms, who redeems, who heals every wrong. This is the Jesus that we serve, and as he transforms us, we want to tell the world about him. Because he's transformed us. It's interesting, you know, I think, I think a lot of times in church, which I hope you're doing, but it's like, man, invite your friends, bring someone. You know, at, when you go to a movie you really love, no one gets on stage at the end of it and says, hey, so if you really like this movie, make sure you go tell someone about it, invite them next week. You know what happens? My dad is like a crazy evangelist, and it doesn't just apply to his faith. You've heard him on stage. Whenever he likes something, he shares about it. No one has to tell him, hey, Dave, you should go share that you liked, uh, you know, that movie you watched. He comes up here and he shares it. Why? Because it's impacted his life. He actually wants to share about it. No one has to tell him to do it. And when Jesus starts to transform you in such a way, it's like, man, I, I got to tell the world about this. You look on ads, even marketing. What's the selling point? It's always transformation. Real transformation happens in Jesus. When he starts to transform your life, you want to go tell the world about it. Man, when he starts to bring healing to your fears and your guilt and your shame, and obviously none of us are perfect, and I know I'm not perfect, but man, he's brought healing to my family and the generational lines, and I want people to know about it because they're looking for Jesus. Lost people are looking for Jesus. They don't know it. They're probably looking to a relationship instead of the relationship with Jesus, right? They might be looking for a job. It's not a job, it's Jesus. And we hold the hope of eternity. And I really believe, man, you shouldn't have to be forced to tell people about this. I know it's scary sometimes, but it's just like, man, if he's changed my life and there's someone's going through something, it's like, I have the answer. It's Jesus. He resurrects dead things. 
doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect, but you're going to find a perfect relationship with Jesus, and it's going to transform your life. It's interesting, in, in Jeremiah 29, I believe God starts talking to the Israelites about this. They're actually in captivity with the, with the nation of Babylon. They've been taken over by them. They're foreigners. They're exiles. And the Lord says to them, in this place, start to transform the city around you. Don't just sit here and, and kind of sulk that you've been taken over or anything like that, but actually transform the city. He says this in verse 4, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. He's saying, make a home here. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. He says, increase. Do not decrease. And it says this in verse 7, Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. You know what I think he's saying? He's saying, make a home here. Bring increase here. Let where you are be blessed because you are living there. And I believe one of the purposes of work is not just for us here to experience success, right? But actually, work becomes significant when it starts to become about transforming the people in the city around us. That I believe in this room, there's so many of you that like carry degrees and success and finances and that we would leverage our talents individually and as a church to say, how can we transform the world around us through our work, through our creativity? What is the fingerprint that we are leaving on society. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting because in James, if you've ever read the book of James, it talks about how on this earth we're foreigners and we're exiles, right? We're like mist in the air, like dew in the morning. Our time here is short because our home is actually in heaven. But just like the Israelites here, in your time as you're a foreigner in exile on this, this earth because your home is actually in heaven, Let's bring transformation here, right? We're not just waiting to go to heaven someday when we die, right? We're living to bring heaven to earth, to bring solutions that the world doesn't have, right? That we leave a fingerprint, right? I remember even, uh, I went and got my hair cut this week, but about a month ago I went to my, to my boy Trey Bonds. I'll give him a shout out. Uh, I, Trevor, he, he cuts my hair, and I've known him for a while, so we talk about Jesus, we talk about things, and something interesting happened. I went to go get my hair cut, and this guy showed up with this woman um, who I didn't know, and I thought he was selling gel, like he was a product guy. He was from the, the Netherlands. He actually lives in Chicago now. His name was Franz, all right? He's got this dope beard and cool hair and stuff, and so they're talking, and I'm not really talking much, and and so I, I kind of did this thing. I, some of you guys were at a midweek service. We got a midweek this Wednesday at 7 p.m. But some of you guys know we're talking about hearing God's voice and what that looks like. My dad's teaching this Wednesday, Dave Wilson, on the four ways to hear God's voice. So I'd invite you to come back. And, and, and so we're there, and I'm practicing hearing God's voice. And let me tell you, this has been like a huge journey. As some of you guys hear these stories, some of you might be inspired, or some of you might be like, oh, that's never going to happen to me. God wants to speak to you. And I remember, man, I remember when I started following Jesus, I, I shared this in the other services, like, I remember being a freshman going on a mission trip in college, and people were praying out loud, and they were, like, praying good prayers. You know what I mean? So then you had the people around them being like, yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> and at that point in my life, I was, like, so fearful to pray out loud. Like, I was like, do not, I hope no one calls on me. Like, I was so fearful. 
And, you know, something starts to happen, just whatever it is for you, it's not about, like, what my next step is. Like, you're in your own relationship with Jesus, and you need to ask, what's my next step? It's not about what your step is, it's about being obedient. And so wherever you're at, just know that, like that journey you want. And, and I would even encourage you, I, I know I'm setting this story up a lot, like we actually are doing September 16th at 10.30, four-week course, Sue Anderson's coming in, I'm going to teach a course, it's called Identity Transformation, we're going to do a workshop for four weeks on hearing God's voice. So I would encourage you, sign up for that. If you're like, man, I, I want to hear God's voice, or man, I want to grow in that, sign up for that. It's going to be very practical, really cool workshop, and I, I guarantee you, if you go to that after four weeks, it will change your life. I really believe that because I know what we're teaching and it's changed my life. So if you want, go sign up for that September 16th. And so I'm kind of growing in this thing, you know, and I've, I've kind of, as I'm saying, I've taken steps over the last seven years, just following Jesus, where he's going, right? Whatever my step is. And so I'm sitting there with this guy and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm starting to think, man, is this God's voice? I start speaking to him because they're talking and I feel like the Lord starts speaking to me. Like I'm just listening to him and you ever just like see people and you're like, man, I feel like this person like they seem really encouraging or there's unique gifts that all of us carry. And I want to be a person as a follower of Jesus, right, that calls out those things when I see them, right? I want supernatural insight to who people are that I can call out greatness in them. You know, have you ever prayed about the people at your work and said, God, how do you view the people at work? We call that God goggles. I said that midweek, that you'd see people and situations through the lens of God. And so we're, we're sitting there talking and I don't want, him to, I don't want to tell him I'm a pastor because I don't know if that will freak him out or not. And so at the end of the thing, he never asked me what I did, but I, I say to him, we're getting up, I've been talking to the Lord, and I just say to him, hey, dude, so for a living, I kind of help people discover who they are and what they were made for. He's like, okay. And I say, and I feel like I may have noticed some things about me. Do you care if I share that with you? I don't say anything about God. And it was kind of fun. And he goes, we were standing up, and he goes, should I sit down for that? Because you, you could tell he was like, Lee did, like really interested. And so I was like, yeah, dude, why don't you just sit down? Yeah, you know, we'll sit down. And so I start talking to him. His name's Franz. And sharing about what I feel like the Lord was showing me about like the way he works and the way he treats people. And one of the things I said, because there was something I felt like with his father, I said to him, you know, a lot of times what hinders us from being the person we were made to be, I didn't say who God made us to be. I would if I was here. But... I was like, is, is the hurts and pains of our past? And I said, I don't know if this is true. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I really feel like maybe your dad growing up, like he had this one idea about what it looked like to like work and do this thing. And I, I feel like the Lord wants to celebrate that you like actually pursued the passions in your heart. And he's really successful at what he does now. And it like was right on the money. I was just as surprised as him, but you could tell he's like getting emotional about it. And he asked for my number because he wanted to stay in touch. And at the end, I go, yeah, man, so I'm a pastor and Jesus loves you. That's how I knew that stuff about you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he thought about that, but I end up finding out my buddy Trevor, I thought the guy was selling him gel. The guy was actually there to interview my buddy to hire him to go around and work with him. And so my buddy was like, yeah, dude, when you started doing that, I trust you. But I was like, hopefully this isn't weird or anything and like makes it go really bad for me. And it was funny because I went and got my hair cut the other day. And uh, <laughs> I talked to Trevor and he was actually really happy because he was like, dude, I think by you doing that, like the guy will never forget when he came to visit here. Been transformed to be a transformer. You know, I hope that guy comes to know Jesus. The God who sees him, the God who knows him, who put creativity and talents and gifts within him from the creation of the world. And in the same way, you have a unique fingerprint that you carry. 
And there might be problems, even as you're at work and with the giftings you have, you can bring solutions that no one else can bring. It looks different than maybe what it looks like for me, but what are the things God has put in your hands to say, man, how am I going to transform the world around me? Is there a bigger purpose? And maybe it's just loving the person next to you. Maybe it's a whole kind of design and idea. And we're going to show the video Kim was saying about. It's like PG-12, 13. So, but it's a video of a guy who is a judge, who has gifts and talents here and this question arises actually from his daughter that asks, what is your purpose? And it's a story of him finding his purpose, not by getting a new job, but gaining a new perspective right where he's at. And as we do that, the ushers are going to come forward. They're going to hand out the, the offering. And so many of you guys give, and you give online, and we thank you so much for that. But if you want to give right now, this will be the time to do that. But enjoy this video and watch what God can do through anyone right where they're at. I was a prostitute. It wasn't just feeling trapped, I was trapped. Girls get raped out there, beat up, held hostage. Overnight, you're owned by somebody. Then four years was hell. I was in this hotel for like two years straight. I mean, like, they would bring you your food, they would give you your drinks, they would give you your, your drugs. You gotta sleep with who they tell you to. You pray and wish that you could be done with this lifestyle. When we would sit there and talk about, hey, you know, how are we gonna get out of this? Well, you can call the police. Well, you got a thing. We're doing dates with police officers, with detectives. We're doing dates with them. I never felt safe. I never thought I could turn to them for nothing. I've had the real type of law supposed to help you and then the type of law that's used you. So it was hard to trust them. You know, an officer rolls up when you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if he's going to force you to do something or if he's there to actually help you. It's really traumatic. Like, it's horrible. I wouldn't wish that lifestyle on nobody. Nobody. The police were bringing me search warrants on human trafficking cases. And the prosecutor started showing me all the pictures and bringing the victims up with the bright red rings around their neck from fresh choking, hair pulled out, fresh burn marks where the guy had burned a cigarette in their skin just to torture them. And as this was going on, the sheriff brought the next defendant out on the wall and I looked over and that's when I saw a woman who looked just like one of these victims. She had that same aura about her. And so I looked down at the file and saw a prostitute. And I thought, we ought to start looking at the person that we're arresting for prostitution more like she's a victim of human trafficking. Just prior to this event, I was trying to teach my daughters the book, The Purpose Driven Life. So my one little daughter, she said, hey, Dad, you're doing really good teaching us about this purpose in life, but what's your purpose in life? And I was like, oh man, he just got me right there. So that night I just went upstairs and said a quick prayer. I said, you know, I know I've got this really interesting job. So I said, if there's any way you could show me how to be significant in my work, I'd appreciate that. Then things started to happen very rapidly. I started researching and I found some amazing truths that totally blew my mind away. 1,500 women charged with prostitution a year coming through Columbus. Women who are involved in prostitution re-offend 80% of the time. So that's the revolving door syndrome. The average age of the first sexual abuse is eight years old. 96% of them are runaways before they become involved in prostitution. 
62% of all women enter prostitution before they're 18 years old. I couldn't believe that people were taking advantage of our women and girls and other vulnerable people in Columbus in such a horrible way. So we started a court in 2009 to allow them to exit this deadly and lifestyle. Okay, Josh, let's wake up. Um, this is changing access to change habits certified. So Ashley Martin has graduated to phase two of the textbook. <laughs> CATCH stands for changing actions to change habits because we ask women to change everything about their lives. CATCH Court is a two year intensive probation. They have individual counseling as well as group sessions. That's kind of hard for me. Okay, I know how you feel, but you know how you vary. I spent most of my time surrounded by the women, even though I have my own home. It's like a legit sister community. It's amazing. These women have multiple complex trauma. That's at the core of their issue. And when you know how to engage them with trauma-informed approach, they will respond. So instead of saying, what's wrong with you, I learned to say, I wonder what happened to you. All right, Tina. Hi, how many days do you have? Two hundred eight. Wow, all clear up. All right, so where are you at with that GED? I didn't have your fractions. Oh my God, are you The statistics me? that we're now able to share, that if you spend six months or more in the program, 62% of these women never get arrested again. And if you graduate from the program, it's a high 90 percentile, never get arrested again. I think you can say it saves money. It saves police time, it saves court time. But for me, that's not where I consider the success. When I see multi-generational healing from parents to children and the women getting their children back and how important that is to those children, uh, that's what makes it worth it to me. If it wasn't for Cat's Court, I would be back out on the street. It saved my life. They gave me my life back. They gave me a second chance. I have a home that I can actually call mine. I have a one-year-old daughter. I got custody of my 14-year-old twins back. My grandbabies and my kids. To be a part of their lives again, it's a wonderful. I could be a good example for my kids. And my daughter would never see me the way my sons did. I may not have been a good mom, but I'm one heck of a grandma. This has been the best thing that's happened in my career and maybe my life. And now I can look my daughter in the eye and say, hey, now we know what dad's purpose was, don't we? that quite a few times now. It's beautiful. I, I see that and I, I just think, man, that guy is the embodiment of Jesus. Where everyone else sees too far gone and wasted and not good enough. One person steps in and I see, I see value there. I want to be a part of transforming there and finding his purpose in the very place where so many would, people would see purposelessness. And I, uh, man, I asked that today. I, I think about looking at that and looking at your life and kind of taking a step back and 
man, what's the fingerprint you're leaving? Does it look like Jesus? You found your purpose. Maybe it's just asking yourself, man, what are the dreams God has put in my heart? So I think a lot of times when you look at your passions, you'll start to find your purpose because God's put things in you. I love being in a room and asking people, tell me, tell me your dreams. Tell me what you're passionate about. Isn't it interesting how each and every person has different dreams and different passions? It's like you'd think there was a God who created us all uniquely and differently to do different things. And so I just want to pray. I, you know, Judge, Judge Paul, it's, you know, it's funny how all that happened. It was through his daughters. And then he said he went in and just prayed and said, God, I want to find significance in my work. And I don't know how many people have seen that video, but his transformation brought transformation to all those women. And it's bringing transformation to people all around the world. Just with one person saying, God, what's the step you would have me take? And so I would, I would love to do that, man, because I, I don't know about you, I'd love to get to the end of my life and when I take a step back and be like, man, that was significant. And I couldn't draw the line between my life and God. You know, that you'd look at me like, oh man, only God could have done that. And I think that happens by just saying, God, what do you want to do with my life? What do you have for me? What's my next step? And so... If you guys would, why don't we just bow our heads? We're going to worship and declare. But first, just bow your head. I, I want to just give the Lord time to speak to you just in that same prayer. And I don't know if something will come to your mind, but I really believe God speaks to our thoughts and speaks to us in pictures and things like that. And I'm just going to pray and ask God that question. God, is there something significant where you have me right now that you want to do? Are there people you want me to reach? Maybe even already things are coming to your mind. But Father, I thank you for each and every person in this room. I thank you for the way you work, God, the way you bring transformation and freedom and, re and just restoration and reformation, God, and reconciliation. You are the God who transforms legacies. You are the God of new beginnings that no one's too far gone for you, God. But you look at everyone with the eyes of love, Jesus. And so, God, I pray you'd silence any voice that's not your voice. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to our thoughts and give us pictures of people in our lives, God, that need your love. God, bring us and give us solutions to the problems we see every day, God. That what we do in this church wouldn't just remain here on Sunday, but all of society would be blessed by the work we are doing outside of these walls. And so, Jesus, we just ask this question and just pay attention to what comes to your mind. Jesus, are there any... Is there anyone at my workplace or any of the people I interact with in the day-to-day -day at school or in my family that you just want me to love, God, and to start praying for? And God, we ask that question, what does it look like to love? What does it look like to love them? Then this next question, maybe it's going home and sitting down with this. I'd encourage you to do that this week. God, what does it look like for me to find purpose and significance? The purpose and significance you made for me in my workplace right now? Are there any solutions like Judge Paul that you want to bring, that you want to use my life for, God? And so, Jesus, I just pray for each and every person right now, God. You fill us with your love, with your hope, with your blessing, with your abundance. Give us strength and courage to say no to fear and yes to the purposes and the callings and the destinies on our life, God. I pray that if people heard you speak to them, God, they'd share that and they wouldn't be fearful to run after the thing you put in their life, that you'd align things, God, to make your wills and your purposes be done, Jesus. I pray your blessing, I pray your spirit and your love over this room, Father God.
that. And I, I do pray that, God. We wake up on Monday and Tuesday, we say, thank God it's Monday. Because there's people around me that need the hope of Jesus. And you put me there to shine. And so, God, give us courage to shine. In your mighty name, Jesus, we praise you. In your name we pray, amen.